I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, we failed to uh, record any of the feedback we got this week, so we don't have any. Nope. Uh, so we'll go right into the news. Uh, big news this week is vaccine mandate. Huzzah! And or Except they were done in the worst possible way, and I fucking hate it. Oh, David, you say that about everything. <sighs> That's because everything's done in the worst possible way, and I hate everything. You gave- Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so for the benefit of people who have been living in blissful ignorance, the Biden administration did pass a vaccine mandate, which I Pass am- is a strong term. Yeah. True. They, they ordered a vaccine. They mandate. implemented a vaccine mandate, um, which I am not super jazzed about. But like, if we're going to have a government in the business of mandating things, you could do a lot worse than a COVID vaccine. That's pretty much how I feel about it too. Yeah, except they did it through OSHA. The, like, the, the workplace health and safety people. Because apparently Biden is incapable of doing anything in any way that won't, in some way or another, make me want to set myself on fire on the White House lawn. Well, I feel like doing it in a way that wouldn't want to make you set yourself on fire would probably involve an act of Congress. And then you are correct. Biden is incapable of getting Congress to pass things. But that's not really his fault. I mean, just get the CDC to do it. They're already banning evictions, so it's not like we're pretending there's any limits on their power. Well, I don't see... And unlike with eviction bans, that actually would involve controlling disease. You know, like it says they should do in the name of the agency. No, I don't see anything that's better about the CDC doing this than OSHA. Um, This does, you know, ostensibly involve workplace safety. Um, So what the mandate is, is that businesses with more than 100 employees have to get their... uh, All employees have to either be vaccinated or get uh, COVID testing once a week. Um, and I believe this also applies to all federal contractors and anyone receiving federal money. Uh, so it's like over 70% of the workforce, which ick that, that much of the workforce is covered by that. Yeah. That kind of sucks. I'm not covered by it, but I already got my vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. But no, my, my objection to OSHA doing this is like, If the CDC was doing it, then they'd need to, like, you know, do the creepy government thing of setting up white tents with people uh, with dark sunglasses sticking needles into people. Which, like, if we're going to be a totalitarian hellscape, let's at least get the totalitarian hellscape aesthetics going. But this is deputizing people's employers to be government hatchet men so that people will hopefully not realize that this is in fact the government doing things and vote the bastards out if they don't like it. I don't want to defend this in any way, but the government has been deputizing employers to do the things the government should be doing for decades. Exactly. And it fucking sucks. I'm not saying this is new. I'm saying it's awful. So you bring up an interesting point. Which is not any of the things you said, but it is <laughs> that there is no real plan to enforce too, this mandate. <laughs> um, it's pretty much like, okay, employers, this is on you. Um, you go enforce it. Uh, and th- there's not really any any even pretense that like they're going to actually make sure this happens, uh, which I always hate. I think if you're not going to enforce a law, you shouldn't pass it. Well, that's why they didn't pass it as a law. Well, that sure. would have involved doing their goddamn jobs. Which, don't get me wrong, their jobs suck. 
But if we're going to give them money to do a thing, I would at least like the thing done somewhat competently and through official transparent channels. Yes, well, um, Congress has noted your objection and responded that, uh, oh, that's two middle fingers pointed right at you. Yep, that's not surprising. (laughs) Um, but yes, that applies to executive orders as well. I would prefer them not do things if they're not going to enforce them because... Then that just creates a situation in which everyone's breaking the law all the time, and they can just pick someone at random and harass them for whatever laws they're breaking. But such is life. Yep. Love living in a country where everything is either forbidden, mandatory, or both. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Anyone else have any thoughts about the vaccine mandate before we move on? Uh, I do, actually. Due to this whole COVID, COVID vaccine mandated thing, uh, there's still people around that uh, won't get it done. Uh, one of those areas is Lewis County General Hospital in Lowville, New York, where uh, so many of its staff quit rather than taking the vaccine that uh, they aren't going materni- to be having maternity services anymore after the 25th of September. They just don't have enough staff because uh, I guess there's some people who really believe in this thing strong enough to quit their job over it and uh it's leaving the hospital short-staffed i healthcare workers i know i I think it's dumb but like i admire their conviction yeah so sucks for people who are having babies in uh lewis county um general wait is it lewis county or lowville it's lowville but that's Uh, lewis county general hospital yeah, gotcha. So it sucks for people who are having babies in Lewis County uh, over the next little bit. But also, I feel like if your medical staff at your hospital are not on board with taking vaccines against the pandemic that's going on, they're probably deadwood anyway, and like, sure, the short-term staffing problem sucks, but in the long term, this is just the trash taking itself out, and you should probably breathe a sigh of relief. I definitely don't think that the hospital should be staffed with a bunch of people who aren't vaccinated, because that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, like, if there was one place that, like, I would definitely be supportive of vaccine mandates, it's in hospitals. Yeah. And again, this particular pandemic is, like... That would be sufficient justification, but again, if this is the sort of person who wouldn't get a vaccine when there's a pandemic on, they're probably the sort of person who you don't want working at a hospital even when there's not a pandemic on. Well, I don't know about that. It just says dozens of staff. I don't know what their actual jobs were. Um, I I don't know if you need, you know, A-plus rationality to be like a data anal- like data entry person at a hospital but oh, oh yeah true. i forgot that the bureaucratization of medicine has gotten so bad that you can have and i quote dozens of people quitting a hospital and not actually lose any you know healthcare workers <laughs> yeah oh my god i hate everything about <laughs> we- this timeline <laughs> we we know you do david <laughs> Can we get better script writers, please? No, in fact. Um, And on that note, the next story is yours. Yeah, so um, the uh, fuckhead in the White House also decided to use the Defense Production Act to increase in testing capacity instead of just telling the FDA to unban the fucking tests because the FDA has still banned rapid COVID tests. Because apparently it's an unconscionable risk to the health and safety of the country if, you know, people stick a piece of paper under their tongues and it turns blue if they have the the coof. I legit did not know those were still banned. Yep, they are, because America sucks and we're all doomed. Yeah, now I have been able to go to the store and purchase rapid tests, but that is uh, apparently not the case in a lot of areas. That was certainly not the case in Vermont when uh, they kicked us all out of camp. Hmm. Uh, nobody was able to get them. But I was able to get them around here. So it would be nice if the FDA would just, you know, kind of unban the other ones that they're using in Europe. And everything seems fine. And also, these are fucking tests. Where's the health hazard? 
Well, you know, they might not be as uh, they might they might tell people they don't have COVID when they do, and then they'll go infect everybody. David. Yep, you're right. I keep on uh, having a stroke and forgetting that the FDA also bans things due to lack of efficacy, not just lack of safety, because whoever is in charge of the plot hates me in particular. Don't tell Uh, David I'm in charge of the plot. Inyash, fuck you. (laughs) Look, look, we all hate David, Um, but that doesn't mean we're, you know, secret gods running the universe. It just means we see eye to eye with them sometimes. Wow. Uh, okay. Next story is the Texas abortion law. If you haven't heard, Texas passed a law through their actual legislature because states still do that. You know, when they can get everyone in the same room together, which <laughs> yeah. for a while Texas couldn't. Uh, true. Uh, but they it bans all abortions after what they call the fetal heartbeat is detected. This, of course, is not an actual fetal heartbeat. It's just this electrical impulse uh, that develops in this, like, tiny little, you know, multicellular organism that is the proto-baby at six weeks. It's it's a valve that flutters where the heart will be eventually. Yeah. So, Texas, uh, abortion is illegal in Texas after six weeks, which is when 85% of abortions occur and is... um, before many women even know they're pregnant. Um, I guess most of them know they're pregnant after a month or so. Uh, but then, you know, you got to get the ultrasound. You got to confirm it. Um, then if you want an abortion, you have to schedule that. I'm sure there's like 10,000 bureaucratic hoops to jump through. So a lot of a lot of uh, difficulty getting an abortion in Texas, even if you are sure that you want one, which not everybody is. Um, so that sucks. Um, most abortions are illegal in Texas. The big news this past week was that the Supreme Court uh, refused to grant an injunction blocking the law. Um, and this is noteworthy because the law is unconstitutional, clearly, under previous Supreme Court precedent. Um, so this was a pretty big abdication of um, their job, which is to enforce the Constitution. Um, the reasoning was very strange. Wait, the Supreme Court abdicating its gerb? <laughs> exactly. What? Now, this is, this is the fun part of this law. Normally, when they do this, they dismiss it on standing, which, if you'll recall, is saying, okay, the person who sued doesn't have a right to sue. This is like the inverse of that, where they reversed because there's no proper defendant um they the plaintiffs sued uh basically every politician and bureaucrat in texas they just named all of them because they didn't know who to sue and uh the supreme court said nope not good enough there's actually nobody to sue because the way this law works is that the legislature, the government doesn't enforce it at all. It actually is in the text of the law that the government is not allowed to enforce it um, precisely so they could not be sued. Um, and instead, it deputizes citizens to enforce it. Uh, so if anyone's giving out abortions or like assisting people getting abortions, which is another weird thing about this law, they can be sued by another private citizen. Uh, and then they get, you know, these huge fines. And what the Supreme Court said is, well, look, we issue injunctions. We don't issue injunctions against law. We issue injunctions against people. And so if you want an injunction, you have to get it against the person who's either enforcing the law or who's going to be enforcing the law. And you don't know who that is right now, so we can't grant an injunction. Sorry. Um, Four of the justices, including John Roberts, wrote a big dissent that was very angry um, and basically saying, like, look, they passed this law specifically to avoid judicial review on this ground. There's no actual good legislative purpose to, to do it this way. They just didn't want it to get it overturned. Um, but the, you know, five most conservative justices said, uh, we don't care. Yeah, that really sucks. Uh, but also a uh, handsome and chattily uh, metaculous user did post a... Um 
question about whether Roe v. Wade would be overturned uh, by 2028, and um, this was after uh, Kennedy retired, uh, and it's been pretty steady in like the 20 to 35 range, uh, and it's currently at 37, so... According oh, yeah. to the internet and people betting for fake internet points, uh, probability has gone up, but not by a ton. So, uh, yeah, that is not wrong. I still, um, I still think Roe v. Wade probably won't be overturned outright. Um, but what will probably just be, you know, chipped away bit by bit. Um, so I don't expect this law to stand forever. Um, the, the issue here is once anyone tries to enforce this law, then there's a person to sue. But nobody has yet because all of the abortion clinics in Texas have stopped offering abortions after six weeks. Which was kind of the entire point. It, it right. Was, yeah. Right. The whole who, the, the, the people who passed this law intended all of this. Like, they know it's unconstitutional under existing precedent, and they drafted it specifically to avoid the ability of the court to grant an injunction uh, because they just want it temporarily in place while they go litigate other cases and probably this case too um, on the merits to see if they can get Roe overturned or substantially weakened. Um, now, Andrew Torres on his podcast Opening Arguments, which we've, which we've mentioned here before, which I recommend, um, claims this means they've overturned Roe versus Wade. And I think he was being a little hysterical about that. I don't agree with that take. Um, I do think. But here's what here's what I want to know is all these abortion clinics. Why isn't one of them crowdfunding a defense of this? Like, why? Why isn't one of them saying or, or somebody else saying I'm going to open up, you know, a pop up clinic or something? Um, we're going to offer abortions after six weeks. Somebody's going to sue. And then we're going to we're going to get our injunction. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are many people who would donate to this and fund the entire, the entire thing, including any fines they have to pay. So, and I, I looked around for, for somebody doing that and couldn't find anything. So if our listeners know of anything like that going on, let us know. I wasn't aware that no one had done that. Maybe they're thinking about doing it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it might be that the clinics don't want to do it because you could lose your medical license or something. And that's, um, you know, you can't, you can't crowdfund a medical license. But you can't lose your medical license. You can just get sued by someone for the bounty, right? That's that's my impression. So I I realize that uh, consistency and consideration of long-term consequences is not exactly the strong suit of our legislators in America. But does this mean that you can basically do an end run around the courts whenever you want to just by writing the law in such a way that it deputizes the citizenry instead of having the police go out and enforce it? Yes. Didn't New York try to do the same thing with uh, suing gun manufacturers for any gun deaths? Yes, they did. Wait, did they? I believe they tried. I heard people say that they were going to. Did they actually do it? Oh, I believe they uh, did it a while ago, before did, this all thing came did down. Did it work? Uh, I haven't heard about it working, but on the other hand, I haven't heard about it not working either. <laughs> oh, well I, then. I will uh, go through the backlog of assorted calibers, uh, which I'm doing anyway and update people here if they talk about this in an episode. Uh, but yeah, New York State has done all sorts of clearly bullshit shenanigans to try to end run around the Second Amendment, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know of the uh, specific case. Uh, Easter egg for the Assorted Calibers podcast. The host also goes to the same camp as me my same week. Oh. So and I actually know him. him. Yeah. Oh, nice. I had no idea he did the podcast, but he mentioned the the camp closing on it. Somebody on the Discord pointed it out to me, and then I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize that voice. Oh, shit. We should do an ICP Mind Killers crosscast. All right. Support us on Patreon. I'll be the one guy who's like, I'll be the one guy who's like, uh, uh, guns are all right, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the, uh... The Bunch thing I've been kind of surprised, nuts. maybe impressed about, I don't know, is that, like, the same way the legislature uh, 
basically deputized private actors to enforce the law. Uh, they also have private actors pushing back against it, where like Uber and Lyft realized immediately that uh, this was going to make people scared to drive anyone anywhere near an abortion clinic because they could, in theory, uh, be be um, sued for $10,000 for, for, for aiding and abetting. Someone. Yeah. Yeah, and so they said they would cover any legal fees that result and fight that fight them in the courts. And I don't know. I again sounds like this hasn't been pushed through, but it, it feels weird that now things are being fought out by private actors rather than through the laws and courts like we've yeah. been used to. Yeah, I mean this is obviously crazy. Um, but here's why it wouldn't work with guns. Because if you pass a law like this about gun manufacturers, you think the gun manufacturers are going to stop selling guns? Well, no. No, no, they're just going to sell the guns, get sued, and then get the law declared unconstitutional. The, the, the issue here is that for, some, for whatever reason, the abortion clinics aren't willing to like put their, themselves on the line to test this out. So they're saying liberals are a bunch of pussies. Well, that's, that's in, not in an exactly way. what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm saying I don't know why the abortion clinics are making these decisions, um, but it might, they might have a good reason. And it was, I guess, the legislature anticipated that they wouldn't. And so there's probably something in the law that's like some sort of um, irreparable repercussion of this that can't just be like crowdfunded away, I would guess. Because yeah. hmm. um, I don't, you know, abortion clinics operating in Texas, I feel like they're, they're not lacking in courage. It's, there's that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although now is a good time to remind everyone, as uh, we always try to, uh, whenever we talk about anti-abortion laws, that the problem of needing an abortion clinic to get an abortion has been technologically solved. And if you don't know what I'm go- talking about, uh, duck, duck, go abortion pill. All right. That is a good point. Thank you, David. All right. Next story. Uh we're recording this on September 13th. Um, you will not hear about it. You will not hear it until September 15th or 14th if you're a Patreon subscriber. A very, very sexy subscriber. <laughs> or a uh, Substack premium payer person, whatever they're called. That's right. A Substack paid member, I guess. Equally sexy, though. Even more sexy, if you ask me. Oh, really? Unless you're giving us more than $5 on Patreon, in yes. which case you're the attractive one. Yes, and actually, <laughs> before, I, before I talk about this story, um, speaking of sexiness, we just released for patrons only an interview with Ayla, where we talk about the whole OnlyFans situation, where they decided to ban porn and then unban it six weeks later. Um, it was a really fun discussion. And um, if you want to listen to it now, you have to give us your money. Um, we will be releasing it eventually, but yeah. you have to wait if you uh, don't want to pay us. You gotta she wait is. to listen to her like some kind of cuck. Yep, <laughs> she is super cool, and also uh, I'm not sure if this is at like a higher level of support required or anything. But there is a uh, spicy, uncensored version for. Uh, those of us who either just support us regular or possibly those who support us at a higher tier. I haven't actually checked the Patreon. Yeah, that, that version supports us. Yes, that version is for anyone who gives us any money. Okay, cool. But when we release the free version, it'll just be the censored version for boring squares. That is correct. All right. So, the boring squares, you'll be hearing this on the 15th. <laughs> Which means that California will already have had its recall election. Um, we are recording this on the 13th, and they have not had it yet. Um, so for those of you who don't know what's going on here, this California has recalled Gavin Newsom. And now they're voting on whether to remove him from office or not. And it's this in- completely insane process. Like everything yeah. they do in California. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty nuts. So they there's two questions on the ballot. One is, should we recall Newsom? Yes or no? And then the next question is like, okay, if we rec- if we recall Newsom, who should be the governor after that? And there are 43 candidates, and you win just by having the most votes. You don't need a majority. You yeah, don't need to get... Simple plurality. Yeah, you don't need more votes than Newsom got. 
it's yes, it's just a simple plurality. So you could win with like 15% of the vote. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. And honestly, can California get any worse? The answer is obviously no. And also, Gavin Newsom was formerly the second worst person, and with uh, um, Cuomo, uh, Cuomo being uh, tarred, feathered, and ejected from office in disgrace, uh, which, by the way, still makes me happy whenever I think about it. Uh, he has now taken that top spot as worst person, so you know, it'll be fun. Here's hoping that the bastard gets kicked out. As always, Scott Alexander has the best take on this with his post, If you're so smart, why aren't you the governor of California? Hard <laughs> <laughs> agree. Because it turns out that uh, almost anyone could have been the governor of California due to that whole plur- plurality thing you guys are talking about. It's just right now, uh, looks like he has a 10% shot of winning some random YouTube uh, real estate influencer or landlord influencer or something. And uh, pretty much anyone who's even slightly better than him probably could have had that 10% shot instead, and we just didn't take it. Uh, I personally didn't know about it until it was too late, so that's my excuse, but I don't know why you people in California didn't, didn't take advantage of this. I don't even think you have to live in California. We could have run. Personally, I'm holding out for the chance to win governorship of a state that's not currently on fire. They, You may have to wait a while, dude. Take the state that's available. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, it's like the secretary problem. You take this you, at some yeah. point. You got to say, "Look, I'm going to take the state that's available here." That's fair. <laughs> My first act as governor of California would be to make military-style assault weapons mandatory for all citizens. Oh, that would be cool. Um, I thought it would just be to repeal the California government. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll. Uh, I will. Uh, um. Make assault weapons mandatory for all citizens. If citizens do not have assault weapons, they will be provided at the expense of the government. And that will be my last act, because afterwards I will dissolve the state of California government. All right, fair enough. All right, well, good luck to whoever's the new or continuing governor of California. Uh, Next story is from Eniash. Yes, uh, this next story is that um, Biden and the border wall fence. Uh, Trump, as I guess, is probably most famous for the border. I don't know. He was famous for a lot of things. But he ran about building a big border wall between the U.S. and Mexico. And uh, part of that was seizing a lot of private property that was on the U.S.-Mexico border so that he could build his border wall. Uh, When he left office and Trump came into office, he was in the middle of seizing some land from uh Gosh, I don't have it open right now, so I don't have the name, but from a family that owns some land there between uh, between the U.S. and Mexico. And uh, they thought, oh, good, uh, Trump's gone. Joe Biden is going to stop this insanity, and we will not have our land seized after all. And Yash, yeah. I know you're pretending you don't know what his name is, so you don't have to try to pronounce Badilia Cavazos. <laughs> okay, that's what it was. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they, they petitioned the Biden government, being like, hey, cool, please stop doing this crazy thing. And the Biden government uh, kind of ignored them and is continuing to seize their land and won't stop. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if they're still planning on building the border wall, but they're definitely still planning on seizing property. So that's great. Yeah. Love it when the government seizes property. Yeah. Now, the source for this is Reason Magazine. It's, and, there's a lot of sources. No, but whenever I see the source being reason, I try to I try to Google to verify that this is actually happening. After the last few reason stories we covered, turned out to be Wait, fake news. What? what? Yeah, please explain this because I was not aware of this. What? Which one what? are you talking They're about? Always, oh God, I don't even remember. But there were definitely a couple where the where reason was like, "This is the government's overreaching this way," and it turned out to be a much smaller thing. Right. Um. This one? I have no memory of this. Well, that's Me not neither. surprising. I'm pretty sure this hasn't happened in the history of this podcast. Right, I I'll, will back you up on that. I'll tune into the Discord later for receipts. Sure. Um, okay. The, but this case in particular, like, I tried to confirm this, and the what's happened definitely is that they have not dismissed the lawsuits. Uh, what has not happened is that any land has been seized. Uh, And this happened, this lawsuit was won back in April. Um, And no land has been seized yet. 
Um, this guy who was um, interviewed here, he is like a anti-lab land grab activist. Um, so I and he's he's quoted in a bunch of more recent things as like being against these lawsuits. Um, so I would have expected to see some confirmation that his land was actually taken if it was. Um, I will be very surprised if his land ever is taken because Biden has, has said a lot of things about how he's not doing that. Um, so, you I know, mean, I'll keep I, an eye on I it. I did Google it just a few days ago, and like you said, it's still in process and it hasn't happened yet. But the fact that they haven't stopped it is, I think, worrisome. Well, I think it's very normal for government, the government never to dismiss a lawsuit where it's the plaintiff. Um, yeah, they just, they, they always like, even, even like it's, it's usually stuff where they're like defending laws that they hate, but they'll do it anyway. Um, but so they, they have won the lawsuit, but like I said, I really, I really will be very surprised if this, they actually take this guy's land. Um, so if they do, um, you're welcome to chastise me for having far too much faith in the government. Um, but as of yet, they have not. Well, alrighty. I will chastise you later. Yeah. All right. Well, tune in to a future Mindkiller episode where I get chastised for thinking Biden is not quite as horrible as everyone else does. <laughs> All right. Uh, Inyash, next story is also yours. Yes, uh, I just put this after that one because Borderwall is sort of uh, related. Eh, it's a weak link. Uh, going forward, China, uh, world's second largest economy, as most people may know, is on the brink of its own September 2008 moment. Uh, for anyone who is too young to remember the two th- uh, September 2008 moment, that was when um, the mortgage crisis happened in America. And uh, we basically our economy had a major shit-the-bed moment for quite a while fuck people yeah years. that sucked balls yeah it was awful um but uh in china has a giant property well they're having all sorts of property issues right now but one of their biggest property developer is called Evergrande, and uh they have been not having to be issues... confused with ever given no definitely not different company. Been... yes they have been having massive debt issues for quite a while now their stock has been plummeting and they're one of the major developers in china to the fact that they now have $300 billion in debt. And just for some perspective, that uh, since the border wall is estimated to cost $15 billion when it's done, that is 20 border walls between the U.S. and Mexico worth of debt. And they are on the edge of default. They're or trying... slightly less than one one-hundredth of the new infrastructure bill. That too, yes. I'm sorry, one one-thousandth. No, not one one-thousandth. Isn't it? No, three hundred billion. Yeah, because it's three hundred trillion. trillion. No, the in- new infrastructure is not three hundred trillion. It's three trillion. Oh, you're right. Yeah, world uh, GDP is eighty-four trillion. Yeah, I'm sorry. So yes, it's one. Oh, a little less than one tenth. Oh, that's actually quite a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. <laughs> Dear God, I know they're trying to pay back some of their debtors in partially built apartments. Their employers aren't getting paid. Uh, a lot of people gave them money to build them apartments that they said, yes, we'll use this money to build your apartment. And now those people don't have money and they don't have apartments. Uh, protesters have been gathering at their HQ and police have been sent to disperse them. Uh, Evergrande themselves claim to employ 200,000 people directly and indirectly generate up to 3.8 million jobs in China. Like, if they default on $300 billion in debt, that is a lot of companies and people in China who are not going to be having money that they need for things. Like Yeah, this... so, so just to s- spare our listeners having to pull out their own calculators, the debt of this company is 0.3% of world GDP. Yeah. That is... <laughs> bonkers I've, that I've, is cuckoo banana pans there is going to have to be government intervention and i think that's the only reason that their stock still exists at all right now because everyone's like this simply isn't going to be able to continue without the government addressing it in some way so china's yeah. gonna have to do something and uh yeah the the new home sales have fallen 20 percent in china since the first three months of this of this year 
and land sales are really down, and there's a big uh, default date coming up, or a debt payment date, on the 21st of September, and when that passes, we'll see just how badly fucked uh, Evergrande really is, and uh, it's, it's looking bad. Also, how the actual fuck does China have a totalitarian, ostensibly communist government, and they haven't passed a Georgia's land tax, so this sort of shit doesn't happen? I mean... Everyone Georgia's, sucks at economics. Georgia's land taxes are not very uh, popular. Since when the fuck does the Chinese government care about popular? Oh, I mean, they drive w- tanks over popular. I mean, popular <laughs> with bureaucrats. That's fair. Um, oof, man. Yeah, it could be bad. Could be bad. Um, of course, you know they probably don't have to worry about the whole moral hazard issue, since if they bail out this company, they'll probably just shoot all the executives. Right. I mean, they're going to have to do something. Like, this just can't go down without the government fixing or helping fix in some way. Yeah. Man, yeah, so but I mean, will. like, can they, though? Like, what's China's GDP? 14 uh, trillion. China... I already Googled it. It's uh, 14 trillion. Okay. Yeah, so that means if... Yeah, so that means that this debt is... Um, let's see. Uh... Point three divided by 14. Yeah, that means this debt is 2% of China's entire ass GDP. Yeah, and yeah. It, well, it really depends on who they owe this money to, because the Chinese government being the Chinese government, you know, they could always tell the debtors to go pound sand. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, not if they want to keep attracting foreign investment, which yeah, that's, they want uh, to keep attracting foreign investment. Yeah, I think they wouldn't do that to foreign investors who probably own the majority of this debt. Um, although I don't understand how world debt works because everyone keeps saying China owes all, owns all our debt. But then this is Chinese debt, so somebody else probably owns it. I don't get it. What? Why doesn't the, the Chinese companies have uh, Chinese debt? Maybe they don't trust the Chinese government. Yeah, probably. All right. Anyway, uh, you are going to tell us about the Oscars. Yes, in much less serious news, but no less lull-worthy, uh, the Oscars are establish- establishing oppression quotas to win the Best Picture. Uh, the Film Academy has established four broad representation categories, on screen, among the crew, at the studio, and... This one's kind of vague. In opportunities for training and advancement in other aspects of the film's development and release. Uh, to be considered for Best Picture, films will have to meet their quotas for uh, various minorities of racial and gender um, metrics uh, that the... That Whoa, the... Wait. When you say representation categories, I assumed uh-huh. you meant, you know, they have to have Democrats and Republicans and, and people yeah. who don't think like each other. No, no, no. That's what you meant, right? I, if they had to hire Republicans, the whole industry might collapse. <laughs> oh, oh it's just race they, and gender. They God. might need to yeah. give an Academy Award to Clint Eastwood, then. God knows we can't have that. I mean, I got no love Red for Republicans. Red people but... like him. Well, so, maybe his yeah. next movie he'll have, like, six threesomes in it, and then they'll have to give him the Oscar. <laughs> I mean, as long as his threesomes include, you know, an African-American person, a Latino <laughs> person, and some trans people, it should be okay. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. So, Inyash, I heard you starting to say Latinx and then aborting and saying Latino yes. instead. <laughs> I didn't want to be racist to the Latino people. Um, it's actually pronounced Latinx. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't say it that way, you're racist. He's not wrong. All right. And David, you are going to tell us about North Carolina. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of actual real life, honest to God, no shit persecution of black people. Uh, so a lot of the heritage of gun control in this country has its roots in Jim Crow. Because there was a time in our country when you were free to buy whatever you damn well pleased. Uh, and then we suddenly had a lot of black people who had money and freedom and they were trying to buy things that uh, some other people didn't want them to have, like guns. And our response to this was the Jim Crow laws. 
uh, which basically systematically persecuted those black people who wanted to, you know, engage in peaceful commerce so that they could uh, get goods and services for themselves and their families. Some of these goods and services were guns, because having a gun and being able to point it at the nice men in the white hoods was a good way of keeping yourself and your family safe from the aforementioned fuckwits in the white hoods. And since we couldn't have that, uh, a lot of those Jim Crow laws were specifically aimed at disarming black people. And that's where quite a lot of uh, state-level gun control legislation comes from. One particular piece of legislation is North Carolina's um, uh, pistol purchase permit system, uh, whereby in order to buy a pistol, you need to go into uh, the sheriff's department in the county where you want to buy it, ask for permission, uh, pay, a pay a fine, let them run a background check, etc. Now, I hope I don't need to explain to you why this might be dissuasive to, uh, let us say, highly melanated people, uh, both in the 1880s when this law was passed and now. Uh, and indeed, when this law was passed, it was very highly supported by the Ku Klux Klan. So that little history lesson brings us to a couple of days ago when uh, the North Carolina legislature passed a bill to repeal this blatantly uh, classist and racist law. And there has been research done showing that this law, even though we have, God bless us, made some progress since the days of Jim Crow when it was passed, it still dissuades poor people and black people from purchasing handguns because, you know, they aren't as... Uh, as time-rich and money-rich and as eager to interact with the police as the more privileged, uh, more pale-skinned among us. The Democratic governor, seeing that this bill would make it easier to buy guns, and guns are icky for Democrats, decided to veto this bill and uh, thereby keep this disgusting racist piece of legislation on the books for another generation to deal with. So, uh, yeah, Governor of North Carolina, uh, Roy Cooper, go fuck yourself. And if you are a voter in North Carolina, uh, please call the governor, call uh, your legislators, call whoever and uh, let them know that you do not approve of this uh, racist bill, and you, uh, especially if you are a registered Democrat and think that systematic oppression is a bad thing, uh, do call your representatives and so on and tell them what you think about this, because, again, this is literally a case of Jim Crow era systematic oppression in the most literal possible sense in the year of our lord 2021 in america god help us well david i am glad to see you've embraced the ibram x kendi definition of racism right i was about to say like i don't i don't want to um defend necessarily uh this repeal and i don't uh no well, no we do want to defend the repeal we don't want to defend the veto oh the veto sorry uh and uh i always enjoy petard hoists but just because a law was created by racists for possibly racist reasons doesn't necessarily mean the law is a um racist law in itself like if sure. it applies to everybody equally Sure, but when the effects of that law are to prevent racial minorities and the poor from practicing their constitutional rights, then, I mean, sure, the genetic fallacy is a fallacy. Just because the KKK supported this law when it was first passed doesn't mean it's racist necessarily. But I think it's fair to give those sorts of laws higher scrutiny. And when we, in fact, scrutinize this law, what we find is that it's, regardless of its current intent, the actual effect of this law is denying 
minorities and the poor their constitutional rights. Yeah, but any law that requires something of people is going to disproportionately hurt the poor because they do have always less time and money, and the poor are disproportionately racial minorities. But again, it's not. Yes, that's it's not why intended. That's to... why anarcho-capitalism is the only non-classist political position. We've been over this. <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't anarcho-capitalism also have laws that disproportionately affect the poor since they have less time and resources? No, because there wouldn't be any laws. <laughs> and there wouldn't be any poor. Well. Also that, yes. Uh, I, yes, I, with Eniash, I think this is really stretching what it means for a bill to be racist. Um, but it is what it is. Um, there yeah, is certainly I mean, a disproportionate I, effect. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so put it like this. Imagine that there was a law in North Carolina that in order to get an abortion, you had to go to your sheriff's office, get a permit, pay a fee, etc. Yeah, like, I would hate that uh, law as well, but I wouldn't yeah. think it's a racist law. It's just a shit law. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's a that's a consistent position. I think it's, uh, I think it is, um neglecting some of the empirics around like who specifically is affected by this uh and of course uh, i know as a rationalist it's uh a sin to put too much weight on this but considering that this is nominally a democratic position to uh oppose the repeal uh i do think that it's worth pointing out that under the currently in vogue standards of the democratic party this is, to use the technical term, hashtag problematic. I think the charge yes. of hypocrisy is is warranted. Definitely. Um, That's why I said I enjoy petard hoists. Yes. I'm just generally against the practice of labeling things racist that, you know, we the real reason we dislike them is for non-racist reasons. Yeah. And to be clear, I do dislike this because of non-racist reasons, but I also dislike this because of racist reasons, because I think the disarmament of uh, minorities and other weak people is a bellwether for the disarmament of people like me. And also, you know, I like have black friends and want them to be able to defend themselves and to engage in shooting sports without being persecuted and hassled. And so on. So... All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. David has black friends. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Um, Eniash, you have a legit horrible story for us. Yeah, this is... Uh, I don't know if this oh, is the worst one. Lord. It's probably the worst one. So, yeah, I think this is the worst one. Yeah. Two two of the um, head people at Cryorus. I... Awful pun, but go on. Why is that a pun? Cryorus? No head people. No, ah. <sighs> terrible. This is this is another reason I hate puns. You, uh, you just—they're terrible. That's all I got to say about puns forever. <laughs> uh, but uh, they were a couple, a guy and a girl, and uh, they broke up. They had a pretty bad breakup, it sounds like. And the uh, female half of this couple decided she was going to go and create her own cryo company with blackjack and hookers. Uh, and she broke into the cryos facilities, stole a bunch of uh, cryo patients, and basically murdered them as they, you know, the the nitrogen leaked out and they unthawed. And I don't know. I, I have nothing else to say about this except for it's fucking horrible. And, Wait, you know, was, was her plan to take them and, like, plug them back in at her facility? Well, there's no plugging, but yes, I believe so. Oh, God. Yeah, I, the, oh I read this and I was, I just thought shit. she just, you know, did it. Yeah, just to, did to, it out to, of to, spite. Yeah. I mean, maybe oh it was that God, too. Oh, God, that is all. Jeez. Yeah, the whole thing is so fucked like, up. So, like, on the one hand, like, I guess that does technically make this a little better because at least it wasn't intentional murder. But also, mm. fuck me, how dumb can you get? Yeah. It's only like, did reckless she, murder. Like, did she think that it's, uh, did she think that it's like a steak where it's okay if it gets a little bit thawed as long as you put it back in the freezer? I, Jesus. I don't think there was much thinking involved at all. I think a lot of it was spite, like, you know, I'll show him and whatever. 
I don't know, man. All right. Well, that sucks and is terrible. Oh, so let's forget about yeah. that and move on to happy news. Happy Good news, news everyone. And David, uh, staying on brand, has some happy news for us about guns. Yeah, so a uh, good man with a gun in Onondaga County, New York, uh, stopped a bad guy with a gun. Uh, The bad guy was uh, yelling, screaming, threatening people, and randomly firing a handgun in the general direction of a crowd, uh, although he had not yet hit anyone at the time when a armed civilian uh, shot and killed him. Uh, And, like... Death is bad, it's not great, but the one guy who died in this particular incident was clearly the bad guy, and uh, yeah, this is good, and I want to complain about it, because the hashtag discourse has been terrible, but I will first let my co-hosts react to the object level story before I get to the griping, because this is happy news. Yes, and I will have our listeners know. We had a whole conversation before this episode about whether this should go in happy news. And uh, we decided that, that um, you know, David's gripes notwithstanding, this is a happy story. So preventing that's why mass it's shootings is, Yeah, preventing mass shootings is always great. So proceed with your rants, David. Yeah, so there's this bait and switch that gun grabbers do uh, where if a... A civilian intervenes into a mass shooting, and fewer than four people were killed by the time they intervene. They say, oh, well, they didn't stop a mass shooting, because by their bullshit definition, no mass shooting occurred. But if more than four people were hurt, then they say, oh, well, they failed to stop the mass shooting, because, again, by their bullshit definition, a mass shooting did occur. And the fact that, you know... In this case, there were obviously injuries averted and lives saved. And in other cases, there are obviously injuries averted and lives saved. And in even in those cases where uh, the intervention happens a little bit later in the process, uh, after some people have been hurt or killed, there's still usually injuries prevented and lives saved. But that would be acknowledging the validity of an enemy soldier, which, as we all know, is equivalent to shooting your own soldiers in the back. So they can't, under any circumstances, acknowledge that civilian interventions into mass shootings may actually ever be a good thing. This happens constantly, and I fucking hate it. All right. Well, thank you, David. Um, You also have another happy news story for us. Yep. Um... Uh, Also, one other thing about the previous story before we abandon it. Uh, The uh, man who stopped the would-be murderer, as well as several witnesses who supported him, have suffered threats and property damage in in apparent retaliation. And if this comes from uh, friends and or family of the deceased, I am sorry for your loss. This is, I'm sure, a very hard time for you. But also, your friend and or family member was clearly a uh, attempted murderer, and fucking cut it out, you assholes. Like, it sucks. But also, don't. Yes, don't do that. Anyway, next happy news story. Uh, so we have um, talked on here about how... Uh, noted murder of women of pregnant women and children uh waco dave chipman had been nominated by um joe biden to lead the atf despite the fact that in addition to being a known murderer he had enjoyed a long career as a member of an anti-gun lobbying group which as we all know the best heads of federal agencies are people who have careers in lobbying in the exact thing they're supposed to be regulating. That's called institutional capture. Yes. Uh, In addition to uh, being thoroughly grilled about his lobbying career, uh, several allegations of racism uh, came out uh, targeting at Dear Waco Dave. Uh, These were quite well substantiated. Uh, Notably, he said that um, several uh, 
African American uh, ATF agents had likely uh, either gotten affirmative action or engaged in, shall we say, inappropriate behavior in order to secure cushier positions. Um, and there were also some allegations of sexism or possibly even sexual harassment, although those were not nearly as well substantiated, uh, and I don't entirely endorse them. Uh, but anyway, uh, between this, um, Biden was unable to whip the votes, uh, even for a Democratic Party line to get him, uh successfully uh, named head of the ATF, and now he has officially been dropped. And this is very good because, and I cannot emphasize this enough, David Chipman was a total piece of shit. Also, the ATF not having a head is uh, fine. Let's just do that. Yep. They can just be led by nobody and don't do anything. Yeah. That would definitely be the best use for the ATF. Yeah. Literally 100% of the uh, legitimate functions of the ATF could be done by the FBI. They literally have no reason to exist other than setting innocent people on fire and shooting dogs. Cool. All right. Um, moving on. I think this one's going to be like an actual happy news story with no um, mentions of dog <laughs> shooting. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, Founding father of effective altruism, uh, Australian philosopher Peter Singer, has won $1 million in the, oh boy, uh, Berggruen Prize uh, for Lifetime Achievement in Philosophy and Culture. And That's Berggruen keeping, with two Gs. Yes. And in keeping with his own uh, philosophy, uh, Peter Singer has donated the entire $1 million winnings to... Um, Global development half went to global development charities and half went to animal welfare charities. That's awesome. Yeah, good guy Peter Singer. Yep, that is the definitely the type of person we should be giving million dollar prizes to. Hard agree. Um, I kind of feel like the existence of million dollar prizes for lifetime achievements is silly, but if this is what they're going to do with them, uh, let's let's keep it up. Darn tootin'. All right, and our final happy news story is from Eniash, probably the most important story we've covered this week. It's definitely the happiest. Uh, <laughs> for anyone who owns a Roomba and has a pet, you have undoubtedly seen those posts about the dog taking shit on the carpet and then the Roomba going and spreading that shit all over every single surface on that floor of that house. And they're just nightmares, and they make you vomit in your mouth a little bit, and it's terrible. Uh, iRoomba has created or implemented a new uh, algorithm that can detect dog poops and will no longer run over them and spread them all over your house. Hooray! Right around. Yeah. I didn't actually, like, read the article or confirm any of this. I got all of that from the headline, but I was made so happy by it <laughs> that I figured this must be legit news, and I had to share it. All right. Thank you, Eniash. And that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we will start with David. Yeah, so I attended a wedding this past weekend, and it was absolutely lovely. Uh, Henry and Brooke, if you're listening to this, I wish you none but the best. Um, and... If you're not listening, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this got me thinking about a uh, Bayesian conspiracy episode you guys did a while back um, about how marriage was an obsolete technology. Uh, which I don't agree with, but I think raised some very interesting and valid points. Uh, and this got me thinking that we really should bring back hand fasting. Uh, which, so, there are several definitions of hand fasting, but uh, one of which is uh, during the wedding ceremony, uh, after the, like, exchange of rings and you may kiss the bride, uh, the officiant, like, ties the... Um, uh, spouse's hands together uh, as a symbolic 
indication of their union, and I like that. It really appeals to me on an aesthetic level, but what I'm talking about is basically getting temporarily married uh, for um, a year and a day is a uh, nice, imaginally significant uh, time period, but essentially just getting temporarily married for some period of time, um, and just like Taking it for a test drive, seeing if it works out, seeing if you guys can get along in married life uh, before you officially, like, go all the way. And um, uh, I was about to say tie the knot, and then I realized that's probably indicating the knot that the officiant ties when he's tying your hands together in hand fasting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is a good idea. I think it's a good social institution, and I think it'll do a lot to address the, um, uh, not entirely, um, uh, still whatever the opposite of obsolete aspects of marriage are without entirely throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Uh, and also... If you, like, read Jane Austen novels, they talk about dance cards, which are basically these cards that you would, like, pencil in people's names, and you would be able to, like, reserve them for the next dance or however many dances down the line. And those are also very good, and we should bring those back as well. Alright. Uh, the dance cards thing is weird. Why? Well, never mind. It's a troop deployment. Well, I think the idea is that, you know, you plan out who you're going to dance with over the course of the evening. Yeah. It's not not actually reserving a person. That's weird. Yeah. And you don't like have that awkward thing where um, you say like, hey, can I you like you go up to someone cute and say, hey, can I have the next dance? And they're like, oh, well, uh, I already uh, said so and so could. But uh, I'm the one after that. Sure. Uh, It's basically just like formalizing that and making it less awkward and ad hoc that's okay i go to very different places where no one ever walks (laughs) up to someone and says can i have the next dance the fuck like you you don't say can i have the next dance you just kind of like make eye contact and go over them and like you know see if they're interested in dancing near you i mean it's not like a hello ma'am may i have the next dance kind of thing i think david prefers the uh that kind okay all right i do I do prefer partner dancing to club dancing. Ah, that's probably, yeah, that's a good point. Eniash, it is now your turn. My turn, okay. Uh, I saw two uh, articles recently arguing that maybe the Afghanistan war was a success, and I found them interesting enough that I figured I'd just share them here on my troop deployment. Uh, The first one um, argues that basically the Afghanistan uh, war was a... uh, a way to deny uh, terrorists a, a staged ground to attack uh, us from, and also uh, to deter the rest of the world from hosting terrorist camps, uh, because they would see that if they did host terrorist camps, we would come in there and smash their government and keep their country fucked up for 20 years. And lo and behold, we actually have not really had any terror attacks, certainly nothing on the scale of 9-11 in 20 years, and uh, people have been pretty well gotten the message that uh, if, if they host terrorists that attack the U.S., they are going to get fucked up, and so they don't do that. Like, not even ISIS has tried to attack us in the U.S. I think maybe that's more of a um, lack of lack of ability rather than lack of desire. But, uh, you know, hard to argue with actual results. So there's that. And also, as we pointed out in our last episode, the median age in Afghanistan is 18. So, like, literally, uh, we've, we've deposed an, an entire generation that uh, was involved in that. So... You know, maybe we didn't get the lasting success that we wanted, but uh, we certainly deterred terrorist attacks on us. Um, also, yeah, I, a... I I have also I also read that piece. I think it's asserting yeah. some counterfactuals with more confidence than I think is warranted, but it's certainly an interesting idea. It is, yeah. Uh, the other one I saw was um, on hand-waving freakoutery, which I just recently discovered and is a really cool substack. I'm reading through a lot of the backlogs right now. But uh, he makes the argument that generally when people win 
they don't hate the losers. Uh, the two examples he gave was that when he was in college, a guy from Germany was here and was really nervous about anyone figuring out that he was German, despite the fact that he looked super stereotypically German and had a thick German accent, because he was scared people would hate him because of the whole Hitler World War II thing, and everyone there was like, what are you talking about? We love Germans. You guys are awesome. And uh, then some years later, he was dating a uh, lady from Vietnam, and she said, hey, come back to Vietnam with me, you know, see the sights. And he was like, uh, I kind of feel worried about that because of the whole U.S.-Vietnam War thing. And she's like, what are you talking about? We love Americans. You guys are great. We won that war. Uh, and his basic argument is that, like, when you win, you tend to not really hate the losers. And that seems to be the case with uh, the Taliban as well. Like, they graciously let us have se a, a week or two to evacuate everyone without attacking us. Uh, they don't seem too terribly bitter about anything. And, again, the problem with the Taliban was that uh, they despised us back in the 90s and they were hosting terror camps of terrorists that would attack the u.s any way they could and if they don't hate us they're much less likely to host those sorts of terror camps and so that is effectively a win for us because there won't be terror camps in that country anymore targeting the u.s so interesting arguments i thought all right thank you Eniash. Mm -hmm. uh i do not think that the afghanistan war was a success but i do think that the Afghanistan withdrawal was a success. And I really wish people would stop bitching about it. I refuse. Withdrawal from <laughs> Afghanistan took us 20 years to do. It's been popular for at least 12 years. Obama was elected on his anti-war stance and could have withdrawn with the support of the public at any time, but he didn't. Trump campaigned on withdrawing from Afghanistan, but he didn't withdraw. And both of them f refused to do it because of ex they knew that this is what would happen. Maybe not Trump. He's kind of inexplicable. But definitely Obama. Um, the withdrawal was always going to be chaotic. It was going to be a mess. The horrible stories were going to come out of it. And that was inevitable with any withdrawal that was done in this situation and if you wanted if you're glad that the withdrawal happened then incentives matter it's inconsistent to say yes it was very important to withdraw from afghanistan but oh we did it so badly and oh what a mess it was and let's punish the person who did it you can't have it both ways um unless you're a military strategist then i don't really think it's you have the knowledge you need to know like if we did this the right way or if if it was done in the maximally effective way possible now i'm sure mistakes were made uh i'm sure we could have done it better but that's always going to be the case and i think if you wanted to get us out of afghanistan you shouldn't be playing you shouldn't be creating the ins incentive to stay in let's say iraq forever um i would rather say Getting out was the most important thing. We did that, so good job. Now let's get out of all the other conflicts, too. Your subtweeting of me has been noted. <laughs> you always think everything's about you. I read a lot of things um, of people making uh, very similar points to what you do, and they're always wrong. Um, all right. So that's our show for this week. Please follow us on Substack. Um, please support us on Substack. You can give us your money there, and we will be very appreciative of it. And you'll get to listen to our awesome Ayla episode before any of the other freeloaders. And uh, without censorship of the dirty bits. Indeed. Um, you should leave us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll be back in two weeks same rat time same rat channel bye bye